So we are in this series, Christian Atheists. We've been in here for a while, and during this series, we've been looking at each individual characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. If you haven't been here, if this is new to you, and you don't know what a Christian atheist is, uh, a Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives like he doesn't exist, meaning that they believe in God, they go to church, they, they claim to be a Christian, they hold that title very proudly, but they don't have any evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. They have no evidence of uh, God working in their life and making them into something new. And today, uh, we've talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and today is the goodness of God that comes with the fruit of the Spirit. So John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, one of the most famous passages in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, as we, as we come into your presence and we learn about your goodness and how we can produce goodness, Lord, you know that this is a heavy sermon. You know that this is a heavy message. So Lord, I just ask that you would convict our hearts, that you would show us what you see and show us what you see after Christ. Lord, I pray and I desire to see your goodness flood this place today. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm gonna figure out who's been going to church for a long time. God is good. And all the time, I heard that almost every single Sunday from my dad uh, when we were at Mount Gilead the first time, which I wasn't there the second time, but we would hear all the time, dad would constantly say it, and it became like this routine for me. I'd always hear God is good, and I'd say all the time, and all the time, God is good. And I meant it, but for the most part, it was kind of half-heartedly because I was just saying what I knew that I needed to say as a pastor's kid so that I could pass the test of, okay, Logan's good. Who didn't say God is good, right? Not Logan. Logan always said that God was good. But I can tell you from my life, it did not feel good when our nephew died. It didn't feel good when I lost my soccer scholarship after pursuing what God wanted for me. It didn't feel good to, to experience some of the, the hard things that I've experienced as a pastor. It doesn't feel good all the time. So if God is good all the time, then why don't I feel good all the time? It's because his goodness is not based on our feelings. It's not based on 
our life experiences, God's goodness is based on himself because he is good and we are not. See, that's the problem that we have with the goodness of God. We'll talk about how God is good all the time. All, all day long, we'll say God is good in church, but then outside of church, we're, we're constantly coming. We're like, God doesn't feel that great. Following God doesn't really feel that good all that time. And we'll, we'll loudly proclaim God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But deep down, we're like, it doesn't feel good that I'm sick right now. It doesn't feel good that I've been dealing with this illness for years. It doesn't feel good that I, I experienced divorce. It doesn't feel good that, that this person and this relationship is broken. It doesn't always feel good. So how can God be good if he doesn't always feel good? One of the timeless illustrations that I love, and it's probably way overused, but I'm going to use it again, is cake. How each individual ingredient by itself doesn't make anything. If you put sugar in a bowl and mix it up and then put it in a pan, it's going to, to melt. It's not going to make a cake. If you put flour in a bowl and mix it up and then put it in a pan, it's just going to be burnt flour if you put it in the oven and bake it. But when all of the ingredients come together, it makes something great that we all love, right? If I eat sugar by itself, it tastes really good. It tastes really sweet. It's really sweet, but it, it tastes good, right? Now, I, I wouldn't just take a spoonful of sugar, but if I take that spoonful of sugar, it's going to taste good. It's going to make me feel good because sweets have do this thing. It, it puts in our brain that we're being rewarded. And when we're being rewarded, it makes us feel good. It makes us smile. It it feels good. If I eat chocolate by itself, it tastes really good. I love chocolate. I'm not going to lie to you. I love chocolate. I don't look like I love chocolate, but I do. I love chocolate. And you guys didn't think that was funny at all. Um, <laughs> but if I take a spoonful of flour and maybe mix it up with some salt, don't do anything else to it, and then take a bite of it, I'm just assuming it's not going to taste that good. I've never tried it. Has anyone ever tried that before? Good. Okay. <laughs> we got some sane people in here. But it's probably not going to taste good. Now, none of us have tasted it. None of us have even tried it, but we know that it's not going to taste good. It's not going to taste good because we've all had cakes that had too much flour in it, haven't we? Where we take a bite and we're like, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Right? We don't just eat flour, so that's a bitter part of cake, but it's necessary to make it good. What makes cake so good is the balance of ingredients together. Good ingredients by themselves and bad ingredients by themselves all mixed together to make something great. And with God, it's similar. It's not the same, but it's similar. There are things about God that we love. Right? We love to hear John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He loved all of us. So he gave his one and only sons that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting and eternal life. And we love to hear that. And we're like, well, I believe in God. And since I declared it with my mouth, that means God loves me and I'll have eternal life. We love to hear that. But we don't like so much to hear that whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God and his one and only son. You see, there are things that we love about God. 
We love the miracles. We love the blessings. We love everything about God that makes us feel good. But there are things about God that if we're honest, we hate. We, we don't love some of the things about God, some of the, the torment that we have, some of the, the pain that we experience, some of even the discipline that God gives us when we're on the wrong path, right? Those things, they don't make us feel good. And we, we sit there and we wonder, well, God, why, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening right now? And it's because it doesn't make us feel good. And when it doesn't make us feel good, then, then oftentimes we look and we're like, maybe God isn't good all the time. Right, we'll say it. We'll say God is good all the time, but we don't feel like he's good all the time because we don't always feel good. You see, the reality is that, and just like the cake, there are things that, that make us feel good in life and things that don't make us feel good. But Romans 8.28 will say, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And this is like mixing the cake batter together and putting it in the oven to bake. We love to hear about how much God loves us and how much he cares for us and, and how God has so many precious thoughts for us. Have you ever heard that before? God has so many precious thoughts that outnumbers all of the grains of sand on earth. Maybe even heard, it's not necessarily in the Bible, but all the stars in the sky. If you look at all, you were to, if you even had the capability to count all of them, God would have more thoughts, precious thoughts about you because he loves you that much. We love to hear that. We love seeing and experiencing miracles of all the good days that we have with God. We love to hear about how he loves us, how he's for us and not against us, how we are never alone. We love Philippians 4.13 that says we can do all things through Christ. And we love Jeremiah 29.11 that says God has a purpose and a plan to prosper us. We love those good things about God. But when we hear about the judgment of God, the, the condemnation that will come towards people, the punishment that he gives to people in scripture, when God doesn't heal in the way that we wanted, when God allows people to die facing eternal punishment in hell, when we feel like God has left us alone, when we look at the world and wonder why a God so good would allow so many bad things to happen, we begin to think that God is less good. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to isolate the ingredients. He wants us to, to talk about how sweet God is and avoid talking about how God punishes. How God, in the Old Testament especially, we see this, it makes us uncomfortable, but talking about how God has used evil people to deliver his own people. To, to destroy some of his own people so that they get corrected on the right path. Right, we, we love to hear about how God is so gracious and he's so full of grace, but we hate to hear and talk about how God will have judgment on those who don't believe in him. Satan isolates all of the ingredients and he says, here's the good parts of God. Here's the bad parts of God. If you're a Christian and you want people to accept God, you wanna talk about all the good parts and not talk about the bad parts. And if you're not a Christian, you're gonna focus on all the bad things, all the flour and salt and, 
and raw egg, all of those things, you're going to be looking at those and you're going to say, well, if God is so good like you say, there are some people that have only tasted the bad parts. They've been eating flour all day long their entire life and they're looking at us Christians and we're like, hey, you know, there's sugar, there's chocolate, there's icing, there's all of these good things about God and half of the Christians have only tasted this. They've only tasted the bad things, but they know that they're supposed to talk about the good things. They've never experienced the goodness of God, but they know that they're supposed to have the goodness of God. They know that they're supposed to have this sweet feeling like honey in their soul, but in the reality, they've been salty their whole life. And it's because they've been looking at the ingredients wrong. By worldly standards, God would allow everyone into heaven, whether they believed or not. And in the worldly perspective, goodness would say that God allows everyone to come into heaven. But God isn't like that. There is punishment for those who don't believe. And it's hard for us to talk about because we feel like people won't accept the Christian message. I can tell you, though, that my generation and this generation that's coming up behind me, we just want the truth. We're tired of the lies and we can see right through them. We want the truth. And if the truth is something that they can't accept, that's on them. But if we're going to paint this picture of a good God that only does things that make us feel good, then we're, we're going to lose a whole lot of people because people are going to start experiencing the bad things. And when they see the good things in other people's lives, they're going to get jealous, they're going to be envious, and they're going to leave. Sometimes we believe that God isn't always good. And if we doubt that God is good or that he's only good sometimes then we have a hard time even reading scripture because then we look at God and we're like, well, well, God's a little bit evil. I was talking to an individual uh, several months ago and we were talking about the goodness of God. And the individual uh, who was on the phone said, I just don't believe that God is good. And I said, well, why is that? Well, if God is good, then why would he... Why would he punish his own people for just wanting more than just a little bit of manna? Wanting just a little bit more than just the manna that God gave. If God was so good, then why do so many people go to hell? If God was so good, then why do all these bad things happen? God can't possibly be good and all of these things still take place. And I even said, God just seems a little evil to me. Right? This is a real thing that we have in our culture. And some of you even, you've been following Christ for a while and you, you don't even feel like God is good. So my hope is that you kind of renew some of this goodness uh, today and this week. Uh, a theologian by the name of A.W. Tozer said this, God's compassion flows out of his goodness and goodness without justice is not goodness. God spares us because he is good but he could not be good if he were not just. See, when we talk about God judging people, we immediately think of what we think when people judge us. We're like, well, you know, you know the judgy people, the people that, you know, always judge you for something, right? They come into your house and they're like, that's a little dusty. 
You know, they, they start walking around finding things so that they can feel better about themselves. That's not what God does. God doesn't have to feel better because you're good, because you're not. There's nothing that you can do that, make you, that makes you better than God. Right, So when he goes in and judges, he looks at himself as the standard because he is the standard, and he says, this is where you're failing. And we take it as, as punishment. We take it as, well, well, that didn't make me feel very good. So God, you must not be good for not accepting me for who I am. Right, That preacher always told me, you'll accept me for who I am. And since you're telling me that I'm doing something wrong, then I don't feel very accepted right now. And so you must not be good. Is that not what our culture does right now? Right, if you don't accept them and just say, hey, live your life however you want to, live your truth, live your life, right? Instead of telling them and telling people, the goodness of God says, no, don't live your life, don't live your truth, live his life that he has planned for you, live his truth that he has. Right, God would not be a good, would not be a good God if he was not just in his judgment. And his judgment is this. If you don't believe in his son, Jesus Christ, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's plain and simple as that. No good judge on the face of the planet in court would let a bad guy go free on purpose. Right? If they did, everyone would be like, well, he's just a bad judge. But when God does it, everyone's like, well, God's not good. Because he didn't have mercy. If he's so full of mercy, why didn't he just let that bad guy go? A good parent would never leave their child undisciplined when they act out. But when God disciplines us, we're like, God, why don't you just let me do what I want to? Why don't you just let me do this thing? I'll, I'll prove to you that I can do this on my own. I'll prove to you that I can do these things. And what happens is that when we start having this bad theology of what goodness is, goodness being kindness without boundaries, then being kind becomes being a pushover. It becomes being a doormat. And the God that I serve is not a pushover or a doormat, right? Goodness is kind, is being kind, but showing tough love and knowing when to show tough love. Let me give you a few examples. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. You might not have known this is in the Bible. But it says, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Right? Logan's translation, It is by God's will that you're doing good if you, if you silence the dumb people, if you silence the, the stupid people in your life. Right? Tell them to stop talking. Right? Here's another example. Think about Jesus in the temple. When he's throwing over the tables, like if you've been in church, you know this story. He's throwing over the tables. He's telling the Pharisees that they have made this temple not a house of prayer, but a den of robbers. Right? Now, the Pharisees probably did not think Jesus was very good in that moment because they're, they're in their minds. So they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're like, we have to raise money for the temple. So uh, we're not getting as much of the offerings, we're not getting as much of the sacrifice, we're not getting as much of these tithes and offerings, All right, we're not getting that stuff in, so we're going to start selling sacrifices, because no one's bringing their first fruit, so we might as well just provide the first fruit for them, and they can pay for it, and this is what was happening in the temple. Now, it wasn't holy, and that's why Jesus overturned the, the tables, but the Pharisees probably were like, Jesus was being very mean to me, 
Why was he being so mean? Right? Jesus must not be good. And we know from the story that Jesus was trying to cleanse the temple. He was trying to make what was unholy, holy again. So it was for the good of the people and for the good of the temple. But the Pharisees wouldn't have seen it that way. And sometimes when we are in that position of the Pharisees, we don't see it as good. But people around us can see it as good. And God knows that it's good for us. Because Romans 8.28 again says, For all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Shortly after, here's another example. Shortly after, Jesus tells Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. He calls Peter Satan. Talk about a, a drastic change. You're like, maybe Jesus is a little bipolar. Maybe he is, was struggling with something. Maybe Jesus was not so great in that moment and he, he should have held back and not called Peter Satan. That's, that's pretty harsh, right? Any of you want to be called Satan, right? No, uh, it was a little harsh, Jesus. Maybe you shouldn't have called him Satan. But Peter, and, and Jesus knew that Peter needed to hear that so that Peter would correct his ways because he also knew from the previous conversation that Peter was going to, to start his church. On this rock, I will build my church. Jesus wasn't a pushover or a doormat. But what our world will tell us as Christians is that if we're good, if we're kind, we have to be a pushover, we have to be a doormat. Because if they don't feel good, then we must not be good. I can't control how you feel about things that I do, but I can control if I'm doing something good or not. Jesus even though he was kind and good and full of mercy and grace, he also demonstrated tough love. He disciplined, he corrected, and he clearly rubbed people the wrong way. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been crucified. Jesus is hated by the world because of his goodness. And if we follow Christ and have that characteristic of the goodness, then we can expect to be hated by the world too. It's just part of it. I know uh, some of you in here, you're people pleasers. I'm with you. I'm a people pleaser. I know I probably don't act like it all the time, but I'm a people pleaser. I, I love to please people. I love for everyone to be happy. I love for there to just be calm and harmony all the time. And uh, if, it doesn't even matter. Like, like if you're a people pleaser, you understand this. It doesn't matter if I'm hurt as long as everyone else feels fine and they're pleased and they're good and they're happy with what I've done, even though if I know that it's not good, then, then that's what I want to do. I want to make people happy all the time. But you have to come to the conclusion that you're not going to make people happy all the time. And it's a tough thing, especially for me, being a people pleaser, to be in this position to where I have to make half of you unhappy most of the time. I, I get it, okay? But I also know that I have to do what is good for this church. I have to do what is good for you and for this church as a whole. And that's not going to make everyone happy. It's not going to make everyone feel good. So you might think, well, Logan's not always good. I'm not always good because I'm not good to begin with. But in using this in an illustration, uh, you might not think that I'm good because of how you feel, but it doesn't mean that I'm not good, right? It, that's how it is with God. Just because we don't feel like he's good doesn't mean that he's not good. Our call is to be good to people. And to, to be good in a way that, 
that it will benefit them for their good. We're not called to be people pleasers. We're not called to be doormats. We're not called to say yes to everything. So some people are going to be angry with us. They are going to tell us that we're not kind, we're not generous enough, we're not good enough. We're, they'll, they'll reject us just like they did with Jesus. And take that as a blessing, that they do that because you are suffering in a similar way that Jesus suffered while he was here on earth. Count it as part of your blessings when you are rebuked, when you are slandered, when you are told that you're unkind, when you're told all of these horrible names for being good and for doing good because you're sharing in some of the experience of Jesus. He's allowed you to take place in that. Just like as a child, you got in trouble when you talked back. I did. I talked back to my mom one time. I love telling this story because it was the only time that I got switched because I learned my lesson. But I, I, I talked back to mom. I don't even know what I did. I talked back to her, and she gave me a whipping. And I had the audacity and the nerve to tell her that didn't hurt. And dad heard it from his office down the hallway, so I had to go and pick out my own switch, right? Um, but as a child, when you got in trouble for talking back, when you got in trouble for doing things, it was not for, for your destruction, but for your good, if, it was, if you had a good parent. Right? I had good parents, and, and he, dad, as much as it hurt, and it, I didn't feel like he loved me. I didn't feel like he was good in that moment. He was doing it for my good so that I could be here today and not be this, this uh, loud, obnoxious person running around telling people what I thought, but instead having a filter and knowing when to speak and when not to speak, right? That was for my good. And God sometimes allows tough situations, rough times to happen in your life to make you a better person to draw you closer to him. Because if you are not naturally good then, and he is good, then you need to draw closer to him so that you can also be good. And now uh, well, this is how we start producing the characteristic of goodness in our life, is to search where God is good in your life. Find the moments in your life, not just the sweet ones, not, not just the things that made you feel good, but the things that didn't make you feel good. Look at those situations and see how he turned it for your good. I can tell you, um, when, I, when I chose to, to follow my, my call to be a pastor, be a youth pastor, and I gave up a scholarship, uh, my scholarship for soccer, um, it did not feel good to do that. There was a lot of stress, anxiety, worry about how I was going to come up with the money to pay for the rest of my college. And since I gave up the scholarship because I had good parents and they wanted me to have a good head on my shoulders, they told me that I would have to cover the rest of my college because I was missing out on that scholarship up into the scholarship amount, which was basically the rest of my tuition. And I'll never forget, it was year number two of doing this. The first year we got uh, expected scholarships in. Um, I paid not the full scholarship amount, but most of it, paid out the tuition. I got the job as, as the youth pastor. But the second year, I was looking at having over $10,000 of debt from, from college. And it was because I didn't, and, and you know how many times I thought if I hadn't have given up that scholarship, 
And Coach had already assured me that if I continued to improve, he would cover the rest of my tuition. And if I had just kept that scholarship, then I wouldn't be in this situation right now. I wouldn't have to worry about what was going to happen. I wouldn't worry about the $10,000 that I had stacked up that I was going to have to cover. And I'll never forget, we were in Evansville, my dad and I. And this just shows you the goodness of God. We're in Evansville, and we're at the Global Leadership Summit. And I walked out of the door. We were taking a little break. And I looked at my phone. I got an email from our local General Baptist Association. And up until then, they've given me like a $1,000 scholarship. Right? So I was like, okay, the scholarship money came in. So instead of $10,000, it's going to be 9000 And I looked at the amount, and it said $7,800. I said, that was a misprint. <laughs> that has to be a misprint. And I called them. I talked to them. And they were like, no, we, we're giving you the whole thing. We had a lot of influx. And so we're going to give you the full amount. And I started to pay a little bit that, that semester. But through a very difficult season, and I know it's not super difficult. I know there's much far worse situations. But through that difficult season, I found the goodness of God that God was still going to provide, he was still going to take care, and that all things, God was going to work together for, for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. But if you don't believe that God is good all the time and all the time God is good, then you'll never fully produce goodness towards others in your life. You might do good things. You might be good on your best behavior sometimes, but you'll never fully produce goodness towards others. So I'd encourage you to look in your past, see what God has done in your life that didn't make you feel good, but now you see that it was for the good. And once you start recognizing that and seeing that as you start going through difficult seasons in your life, you'll look and you'll say, I don't know how this is good, but I know it's good because God is good and he loves me and he's called me according to his purpose. See where God's challenged you to make you look more like Christ. And if you're still struggling to find his goodness in your life, then you have a much bigger problem. You gotta understand that you're not good at all. You're not good, none of you. You're, none of you are good. Does it make you feel good to hear that? That you're not all great and that God loves you so much? You're just not good. You're not good people. Right? Anyone online is probably like, who is sitting in that room? Like, what did they do to tick him off? Right? You're not good. I'm not good. Because Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are good. We're not good by nature. We're not good in our actions. We're not good in anything that we do. We can't produce goodness. It's impossible for us because we've separated ourselves from the one who is good because of our sins. And Paul even recognized himself or recognized this about himself. Paul, the, the apostle Paul that wrote like half of the New Testament says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I wanna do, but the evil I do not wanna do, I keep on doing it. See, you and I, we need to recognize this about ourselves and repent by turning to, towards the Lord. Trusting that God will pour his goodness into us from that and from that we will pour out 
his goodness into other people. Honest to goodness, when you start seeing that you aren't a good person and that the only reason that you're doing good things and that you have some level of goodness in you, it's because of God. When you start to see that in your sin, that you're, you are an enemy to the Lord, right? We don't like to talk about this a lot because we love to talk about how God loves us. But before we knew God, God didn't, he, he, he loved us still, but, but we were his enemy. And we were destined to be destroyed with the rest of the sinful, rebellious world. If you're like, well, I didn't do anything to God. Yes, you did. You rebelled against God's commands. And because you rebelled against God's commands, not, not just God, but the God of the universe, the God who created you, right? This is the same God that you rebelled against and you said, I don't want you. I'd rather live life without you. I'd rather not have you in my life, God. I don't want you to rule over my life. I want you to rule, or I, I wanna rule over my own life. That same God that you spat upon, he is good because he's extended out his mercy and grace but he is still good because those who don't accept it will still suffer the same just punishment. When you start to see that you were an enemy of the Lord and yet he gave you mercy, you'll be more willing to love your own enemies. When you see that you were rightfully judged by God and you deserve hell for rejecting his son and rebelling against the one true living God of the universe who created you and who loved you first, you will not pass judgment on other people when you see that God's rebuking you and disciplining you to try and make you look more like Christ, you'll begin to look more like Christ instead of rejecting his rebukes and rejecting his discipline. You'll be more willing to speak up and correct people of their ways with love and gentleness, of course. You will do more good and you'll realize how bad you really are and how good God really is. And then lastly, just do good things for people. Do things for the good of others, not for yourself, for the others. James chapter four, verse 17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. What that tells me is that sometimes doing what is good doesn't feel really good. Right, calling out someone for their sinfulness doesn't feel good. It doesn't, right? For some people, it might feel great, but you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons if it feels good. It doesn't feel good to call out people for their sins, but it is good. Restricting how much money you give to the family in need doesn't feel good, but it could be good to help the family gain control of their finances instead of relying on you, instead of God. Making yourself less available to others, it doesn't feel good, especially if you're a people pleaser. But it'd be good for them to not rely on you, but to rely on God, and it's good for you because it gives you more time with your own family. Part of being good is setting healthy and appropriate boundaries for the good of others and for the good of you. So you're not a doormat. You're not meant to be a people pleaser. You're not a pushover. You have to set boundaries. And that's what makes you good. Galatians chapter 6 verses nine through 10 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we have an opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 
So go and do good things for the good of others. That would be my last bit of encouragement for you. Go and do good. Don't Go and do good things. If you don't know what is good, then pray about it. God will tell you when and what time. And I, I promise you, he will do that. There will be some of the things that he tells you to do that's gonna bring you great joy. And there's also gonna be things that are gonna bring you some great pain. But we are called to be good, so submit to God and let him produce goodness in your life.